been in a series called Colony, and this whole series is about how we as a people um, have the opportunity to go out and influence the world around us. We've been talking about a lot of deep things like religion and politics and racism and power and all kinds of things, and it's been a really great journey. And um, tonight, I want to talk about um, us, like the inside of us, and kind of take a step back from maybe some of the topics that we've been talking about and really look at our hearts and what the Lord is doing inside of us. And I want to call us tonight to a deeper place of peace, of peace inside, the peace of Christ reigning in our hearts and in our lives, and that even tonight we would just practically be able to come together, take a breath, breathe in the Holy Spirit, allow God to work in each of us so that we can be people who can go out and do a lot of the things that we've been talking about. So tonight we're talking about this, let's be people of peace who surrender to the ongoing transformation inside of us so we can transform the world around us, that the Lord would continue to work his peace inside of us. There's this moment where we come into relationship with God through the person of Jesus. And in that moment, there is a transformation of the heart. There is a transformation of the mind, but there is an ongoing transformation that happens in all of us every day as we make the choice to surrender our own will to the powerful work of God inside of us. And it is an ongoing process, and trust me, I know that because I experience it every day. And some days it's really awesome, and some days it's a much greater challenge. Um, any podcast people in the room? Like you just love podcasts? Let me hear you make some noise. Yeah? Um, what are some podcasts? Just throw some out there. Invisibilia, good old NPR podcast. What? What? Studies you know? Stuff, oh. Stuff you should, I don't, is that really what it's called? Okay. Revisionist history, Malcolm Gladwell, yeah, that's a good one. Radio Lab, yeah, Jad. What? Sounds good. Sounds good. Awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of great podcasts out there. Um, and there is um, one, Solari the City Beautiful Church Solarian podcast. <laughs> It is a weekly podcast that comes out where we talk about the things going on in our church community. We've been going through a series recently where we're interviewing some of our leaders so you can get to know them better. Um, great plug. Yeah, good job. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's um, a lot of really great podcasts, and a lot of the podcasts I listen to um, have some of the same sponsors, and there's this particular web hosting website design uh, website that that advertises on a lot of the podcasts that, um, that I listen to. And so um, they advertise a lot of features, and one of the features they advertise is 24-7 support. And I was like, okay, that's nice. And so I needed to build a couple new websites. I actually now have three on this particular hosting service. And, um, you know, I, has anybody ever tried to build a website? It is not fun. If you haven't tried it, those are the smart people in the room. Good job. Um, it's, it's not always fun. And so the promise of 24-7 support is like, that's a good thing. So I'm working uh, on my, one of these three websites. And of course, like all of this work usually happens between the hours of midnight and like 3 a.m., right? So it's like, oh, 24-7 support, great. So I, uh, I'm working on the website. I come into a, like a challenging moment. And so I go to their support page. And uh, after 5 p.m., they don't send you to like a support where you can chat with someone. They send you to an email form. 
So for them, 24-7 support is your ability to send them an email, <laughs> which in my book is not 24-7 support. So I'm a little frustrated, right? But I go on, I do my thing, whatever, and um, I, I just kind of take a deep breath and, and move on with my life. But these podcasts, right? I'm listening to these podcasts, and they're really great sponsors of all these podcasts. And over and over again, I just hear them advertising that 24-7 support. And I'm remembering my 1 a.m. email support experience. And I'm like, oh, they do not have 24-7 support. And it goes on and on. And so this week, I just had a moment where I just start tweeting, what does 24-7 support mean at this company? So we have this exchange back and forth. So sometimes I'm a person of peace. In that moment, I was not a person of peace. I was all wrapped up in that 1 a.m. experience. It was all flashing back in my mind. And I just, after sending six or seven tweets... Had. <laughs> Do you ever have that experience where you delete, like you post, and then like 45 seconds later you delete? I do that sometimes. So I was not, even talking about it right now, gosh, I'm sweating. Oh. <sighs> I should have tweeted what? I did tweet my customer support question. Anyway, people at peace. In that moment, I was being controlled by something other than my decisiveness, like my decision-making ability. I was responding in a moment to whatever this like weird sense of like injustice about 24-7 support as if it's like something that's really important that's going on in the world. And, and it was in this moment like that honestly I came to a place of recognizing a lot of the stuff that I'll be talking about. Like I want to be a person who has this ongoing transformation in my heart, ongoing transformation in my mind, that I would be someone who can take a deep breath and move into a deep place with the Lord. And even something as silly as the story I just told, exhibit the patience of Christ and the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life on a regular basis, no matter how big something seems or how small something seems. Um, and, and this is one of the things I think that we can explore tonight. People of peace are not controlled by the world around them. They exhibit the self-control of the Holy Spirit. And that's who I want us to be. Those are the kinds of people that I want us to be. And, you know, I could talk all night long about how we should and shouldn't respond on social media to the things that we see that rile us up. But really, at the end of the day, I think it's us talking about our heart. It's us talking about our connection with the Lord. It's us talking about that peace, that transforming peace inside of us. That's really going to be the thing that when we encounter those moments, leads us to responding more like Christ. And that all begins with drawing near to God. And I just want to pray now for that to be a reality for us tonight. God, as we, as we talk about drawing near to you, would you still our spirits? Would you still our minds? Would you still, still our hearts? Allow us to breathe. Allow us to be people of peace. That the peace of Christ would reign in our hearts. We would recognize your sovereignty, your goodness, your care for us, and the invitation you're extending to us to draw near to you. Just let them still you. Still your heart and your mind, yeah. Amen.
Jesus is inviting us into his peace, and we have the opportunity to respond. As we talk about drawing near to God, I think it's important that we recognize that it's an intentional decision. We can hear the voice of God calling us. We can see God experience him knocking on the door of our hearts, but then we respond to him. We say yes to him, and we step into that. Jesus um, could have been controlled by the expectations of the world around him, by the turmoil of the world around him, but instead he chose to center himself on the Father. In Luke 5, and we've talked about this verse quite often, the news about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And there's the hustle and bustle of life. There's the expectations that are put on our shoulders. There's the weight that's put on our back for us to carry. And what do we see Jesus do as people continue to increase their expectation of who they thought he should be? He never gave up on drawing near to God by getting away to the lonely places and spending time with the Father. And this is the peace he invites us into. Jesus went away and he experienced deep relationship with the Father and that is the very thing that Jesus invites us into and he's inviting people into it over and over again throughout the New Testament. In Luke chapter 7, Mary Magdalene comes to him and Jesus says to her, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Jesus was experiencing the peace of the Father, and in Luke chapter 7, he extends that peace to Mary Magdalene. In Luke chapter 8, the bleeding woman, this woman who had been kind of plagued with this disease all of her life, came and touched the hem of Jesus' robe, and power went out from him into her, and she was healed. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. That peace that Jesus carried with him, he imparted to that lady in Luke chapter 8. Later on in Luke chapter 24, Jesus is talking to the disciples. While they were still talking, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. He embodied peace and he extended an invitation of that peace outward. And then in John chapter 14, verse 27, again to the disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus extending his peace, even in the moment of this turmoil that's about to come upon all of them as Jesus is talking to them about his death, he's saying, I'm leaving you with my peace. I extend my peace to you. And this continues throughout the New Testament. In the letters, many of them begin with an extension of peace, an offering of peace, that they would be people of peace, the recipients of each of those letters. And oftentimes those letters would not only open with, but would also close with an invitation to the peace of God in the lives of people. And tonight, Jesus is extending that same kind of peace to us. That in the moments of turmoil in life, that we would be people who embody and rest in the peace of Jesus. And I think that there are some practical things about what it means for us to say yes to the peace of Jesus. So the practicals of engaging God in a moment to change the world around us. Because it truly is only from a place of resting in the peace of Christ that we can truly step into a lot of the life change, a lot of the world change that we've been talking about in our colony series. And it all begins with this moment of surrender, 
for us to take a deep breath and just pause. And what happens in a moment we are faced with a scenario, we're faced with a circumstance, we're faced with some tension. What happens when we pause? When we pause, it gives us an opportunity to check our sources. It gives us an opportunity to check our sources. Um, Again, back to social media. Maybe this is just a message about social media and my experiences with it. I don't know. Um, But a couple months ago, I saw this like link to a news article and it was a picture of Jennifer Lopez. And it says, Jennifer Lopez is moving to Claremont. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You laugh, but I was like, what? Okay, that's cool. That's weird, but that's cool. And, and so a few like weeks later, I saw like Matthew McConaughey is moving to DeLand. And I was like, what is this influx of all of these movie stars coming to Orlando? And after seeing three or four of them, I was like, I, something's fishy about this. So I Googled like famous people moving to cities. And there comes the Snopes article. And it's like, there's some websites that are publishing this information simply so people will click on them. And it's not true. And I was like, oh, that makes more sense. And how many times do we see things on the internet that no one has checked their source on, and then we believe it, and it just leads to confusion? And I think a lot of times in our own lives, we forego checking our sources. There's a guy named Graham Cook who I love. Anybody ever heard of Graham Cook? Woo! All right. Um, and one of the things that he, he talked about one time is that a lot of times we have a difficult time discerning between the Holy Spirit, our flesh, and the influence of the enemy in our lives, simply because we don't take time to check our sources. We hear something, we feel something, we, uh, we feel influenced by something, and instead of taking the moment to discern the source of that feeling, that prompting, that voice, we just say, oh, okay, that must be God. But sometimes it's our flesh. Sometimes it's just the things that we want to do. And there's nothing wrong with having desires. But we have to continually pause and ask, Lord, where is that coming from right now? That thing that I want to do, that response that I want to have, that word that I want to say, that comment that I want to post, where is that coming from? And that we would be people who surrender and who pause. Jesus does this in those moments where he goes and he spends time with the Father so that he can stay in check. Lord, not not my will, but your will be done. And we see it even in that moment where he's going to the cross. He gets away and he pauses. He knows what he wants. If this cup can pass from me, please let it pass from me. And then he prays that prayer, but not my will. I I understand the difference in this moment, in this thing between my will and your will. I'm checking my sources. And God, not what I want, although I'm asking, and if any way that can happen, yeah, let's do that, what I want. But in the end, I'm pausing and I'm surrendering as I'm discerning what you want for me. And when we take time to surrender and we take time to pause, it allows us to do two things. First, it allows us to confront our fears head on. 
and it allows us to surrender our selfishness and begin thinking about the things that God would have for us. And looking at that idea of overcoming fear as we open our hands and surrender. When we think about fear, a lot of times we think, if I can just avoid it, if I can just step back from it, if I can just run away from my fear, then everything will be okay. But fear is tackled when we're willing to face it head on. Face your fear head on and rob it of its power. When we're willing to not avoid our fears, but instead face them head on, there's something supernatural in that as we take hold of God's hand and in faith step into facing our fear, our fear is robbed of its power. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're going to still have some jitters inside of us. But when we're willing to stop ignoring our fear and start facing our fear because we're surrendering to God and saying, not my will, God. I'm afraid right now, but I know you're with me and we're going to tackle this head on. We're going to face this head on. We begin to rob fear of its power. Second Timothy 1.7, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power. It gives us love and self-discipline that we would love, live in the love and power and self-discipline that comes from living a surrendered life full of the Holy Spirit. And when we're freed from our fear-based decisions, we're freed from our self-centeredness to consider others. We stop putting ourselves at the center of our decisions and we start thinking about other things. The will of God for the people of the world, for his intentions for the universe. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing in that moment. God, I'm afraid. If there's any way, would you take this from me? Would you come up with another way for this, but God, not my will, your will. I'm not thinking about myself right now. I'm thinking about your plan for the universe and my role in that plan. And so I'm opening my hands and moving away from self-centeredness because when we are afraid, we make self-centered decisions. George Costanza, fire, donut, remember that? Seinfeld fans? Right? Okay, so if you are under the age of whatever, there's a show. It was on in the 1990s. It's still probably in reruns on TBS or something. It's called Seinfeld. And there's a character. His name is George Costanza. And he's just this neurotic guy. And he's at this party. And the smoke alarm goes off or something like that. He smells smoke. And he starts yelling fire. And there's a room full of children at a birthday party. And he runs from the kitchen to the front door of the apartment while pushing all of the children over. And so when we encounter fear... If we're not pausing to recognize God's voice in a moment, we end up making self-centered decisions that hurt other people. But when we're willing to pause and listen, we draw near to God, we surrender our will, we move from a place of self-centeredness, and we begin to serve and understand and engage and recognize our opportunity to influence the people and the lives of the people around us. And so we begin engaging our mind and our heart with the voice and will of God, and it moves us to a different place to start being people of peace. We move beyond our reflex and into a place of self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. There is, um, has anybody ever seen like on television, um, like uh, somebody in a tank of water holding their breath? Like there's these things where people do that. 
I don't know. It's like, a, it's called static apnea, where people will submerge themselves in a tank of water and see how long they can hold their breath. So this is fascinating to me. So in 2001, the, the longest anyone had ever done that as, you know, recorded officially was eight minutes and six seconds. 2004, eight minutes and 47 seconds. 2006, nine minutes. 2007, 10 minutes, four seconds. Do you see? It's continuing to increase on an annual basis. 2008, 10 minutes and 12 seconds. 2009, 11 minutes, 35 seconds. 2014, 11 minutes, 54 seconds. So in the course of 13 years, we go from the max being 8 minutes and 6 seconds to the max being 11 minutes and 54 seconds. And so that's like the natural way. There's also this way where you can breathe pure oxygen for up to 30 minutes before. And the max record was set in February of this year, 24 minutes and three seconds. Somebody held their breath underwater. And here's, here's the crazy thing. People who are involved in this like as a competitive sport, I don't know. Things happen gen- like biologically inside of their body. So when you and I breathe, we breathe in... Oxygen, not a trick question. (laughs) Second grade biology Um, and nitrogen. I think somebody said nitrogen. Yeah, there is some nitrogen in there. But then we we turn that into carbon. Yes, and then the trees. No. When we breathe in oxygen and it becomes carbon dioxide after we use it, our blood begins to like acidify. And people who practice this static apnea actually biologically become, their blood becomes less acidic um, over time. And it's totally different of those who just breathe reflexively, like those of us who just let our diaphragm do its thing without us having to think about it. Have you ever started thinking about breathing it's, or blinking? Are you blinking right now? Oh my, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so like most of us, right, we're just going through our life and we're allowing our body to do what it does without having to think about it. But these people who are really intentional move from this kind of reflex when it comes to breathing to begin thinking about it and something biologically changes in their body so that they can accomplish the things that they are trying to accomplish, all right? Same thing with us in the context of pausing and surrendering. We move from a place of having built up these reflexes, these triggers in our life where we just respond without thought. And as we begin surrendering to the Lord and developing a new habit, something changes in our mind, something changes in our heart, something changes in our spirit. And this is the process of being renewed every day that we surrender ourselves to God and something begins changing inside of us. And we become probably in some ways even biologically different. We're slow to anger. We learn how to surrender things to the Lord. We become less stressed. We lose some of the edge of anxiety in our lives as we take a breath and surrender to the Lord. And, you know, I I think it's really great that we get to come together and talk about this idea of being people of peace and surrendering to the Lord. But I want us to just take a few minutes now to move through this, to give us some space to just breathe before the Lord 
and allow him to come in. So I'm going to lead us um, just through a time of prayer and meditation, and I'm going to ask us to listen to the voice of Jesus in our lives for a second. So everybody just go ahead and close your eyes. God, would you in this moment, God, protect our imaginations. God, give us discernment of our own flesh and the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the enemy. God, we bind the voice, the influence of the enemy from this room right now. God, just cover this place in the protection of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the resurrection. And God, would you right now lead us into a place of practicing surrender? of practicing peace. So just sit there comfortably in your chair. I'm just gonna ask us to just kind of imagine something for a second. I just wanna have you imagine yourself sitting on a beach. It's warm, the sun is out. And there on that beach, I just want you to imagine something that you're carrying in your life that is a burden. Maybe something that on a regular basis brings you anxiety. And I want you to just take that thing and there in your mind in that picture, place that thing in your hands. This heavy weight of anxiety that we carry is now in our hands and there on the shore we see the smiling face of Jesus as he walks toward us. And he comes close and he touches whatever that thing is and he picks it up and he holds it in his hands. Just picture him taking that thing from you and holding it. To him, it's so light. He turns around and he puts it on the ground. And then he turns back to you and he comes and he embraces you. And he whispers a truth about who you are in your ear. Right now, just take a moment. What is God whispering to you about the truth of who you are?
And then he looks back at that thing, that load that to him was so light. And he smiles as he turns back to you and whispers something else. He tells you how he sees that thing. And it gives you new eyes to see it in a different way. What's the truth that Jesus says to you about that anxiety that you were carrying around with you? How does he help you see it in a brand new way? two of you stand up, begin walking down the beach. And that thing, you look back over your shoulder and it's still there. It still seems like it's close. It still seems like it's following you. But Jesus is standing between you and it. And every time you look back over your shoulder, he whispers that truth again. He reminds you of how he sees that thing and of how he sees you. And every time that anxiety tries to creep back into your life, he reminds you of the truth of how he sees it. God, we just ask you tonight to help us be people who live at peace inside of us, who have the peace of Christ and carry it with us everywhere we go. That we would take time to stop and surrender. And that we would hear your voice and have a deep level of discernment as to when you're speaking to us. Yeah, just firm that up in us, God. Amen. There's something really beautiful when we just take a moment to notice our fears and to notice our anxieties and just bring them before the Lord and ask him to say something about it, to ask him to give us a new perspective. And when we do that, it allows us to step in to a moment of reflection and allows us to be people of peace. And after we do that, after we become people who are willing to surrender our own will and our own thoughts and take on the thoughts of God and become people of peace, when we pause and surrender to the peace of God in us, we're able to be present in a whole new way. We talk about this idea of being present. When we walk into an environment, how are we able to be present? 
And I think sometimes we can be present in a reactionary way, but when we're people of peace, it allows us to be present in a totally different way. We have this picture of Jesus. He's crossing a lake with his disciples. He's asleep on the deck and a storm comes, right? And it's really tumultuous. The disciples are afraid and they wake Jesus up and they say, we're gonna die if you don't do something about this. And Jesus stands up in the midst of the storm, not out of a place of reaction, not out of a place of fear, not making self-centered decisions, but looking and having a little bit of frustrated compassion on the disciples. Don't you believe yet? And he says, and the book of Mark says, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm, He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And when we're people of peace who, like Jesus, draw near to the Father and take these moments of surrender, we enter back into life with a new perspective, a new ability to live, not from a place of reaction, but a place of proactive peace. When we're people of peace internally, we can enter into the turmoil of the world with power. And that's what Jesus did. He was a person of peace and relationship with the Father and it allowed him to enter back into the world as a person of power. And here's something that begins practically happening as we live from a place of peace. Because I know I have experienced so many moments where I've gone into a situation and I've reacted from a place that was not full of peace. And as a result of that, I was not effective in being the person that God wanted me to be or to achieve the things that God is calling us as his children to achieve here while we're on this earth, to manifest the realities of heaven, the goodness of God wherever we go. Because we lose influence when we respond uncontrollably. But we maintain influence when we respond not out of reaction, but out of peace. Thank you. Right? Yeah, thank you. And so I just want that, I mean, like, I think there are such practical realities of us being people who take on this idea of the peace of Jesus. Because we're no longer just these reactionary trigger kind of people. We're people who breathe deep and slow down and have the peace of Christ. We become Jesus Jedi masters. Right? We become like Mr. Miyagi. There's a reason that when we think about wise people, we have these pictures of people who live with a level of self-control. They're not people who shout when shouted at. They're people who take a deep breath and slow down and access the unseen and respond from a place of wisdom, from a place of peace. Jesus continually responded from a place of peace. Even when people deliberately tried to rile him up, they found this woman who was caught in the act of adultery and they brought him before Jesus and they say, hey, Moses says we should do this about this woman. Moses says we have every right to stone this woman. What are you gonna say about Jesus? And every intention inside of them was to rile Jesus up. And if I were Jesus in that moment, I think I probably would have responded one way. But Jesus, our Jedi master, (laughs) 
took a deep breath. He paused. He wrote some unknown thing in the sand. And he stood up from a wise heart connected to the Father. He looked at those people and he said, those of you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. And in that moment, there was just like deep wisdom that totally transformed those guys. They were standing there with their rocks, shouting about this woman that they had found, feeling so justified. And Jesus, from a place of peace, confounded them to the point where they just dropped their stones one by one, probably put their eyes to the ground, turned around and walked away. And Jesus saved that woman that day. It wasn't about Jesus. It was about her. It was about those people. It was about his compassion for humanity. It was about the ripples that that decision would have, that we would be talking about that moment 2,000 years later. Jesus had an eternal understanding of what would happen in a moment and the influence that that would have for a really long time. And so Jesus